Seven points from three games, three goals in two matches from you. Absolutely flying. What do you put it all down to? Uh, running off emotion? Um, nah, just, just being fortunate enough to uh, have a great team around me. I know it's very cliche to say, but obviously um, the boys are doing well. They've not only done that, they've had to go through all the, the, the stuff while I was injured. You know, the, the 8-0 to Man City and things like that where they've been humiliated and people writing them off. Um, it's more for them to show in their character more than you know me coming back and scoring a few goals. Uh, I've just added to their resilience, really. You said the new manager treats you like a man for the first mm. time in a long time. What did you mean by that? Exactly that. Just treats me like a man, trust me. Um, very straightforward with me, honest. Um, we're not always going to see eye to eye. Thankfully, we've never argued yet, but is, we've got uh, two strong personalities can always can coexist when there's honesty. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, we don't we don't pussyfoot around each other. We say it how it is, and at the end of the day, he's the boss, and I'm and I'm the captain. So I'll always do as I'm told and follow his lead. But um, no, he's been he's been straight with me, and and obviously having a baby and stuff, he handled it really well. So yeah, it's been a very long time since I've been treated like that. So I'm more than thankful for it. Remarkable. You had a baby boy on December the 22nd and you've been on this amazing... 23rd. You were nearly there. You were nearly there. I let you off. I wrong, I know. <laughs> <laughs> 23rd. Yeah. Baby boy. Even more remarkable. And you've had this great run of form. I mm. wonder what would be your wish for your son <laughs> for the next get decade? Your hopes? What you want to see in society for him? Ooh. Didn't know he was going this deep. Um, no, I, I genuinely want him to... Be more open-minded than I have. Um, have my resilience, um, but also just just appreciate how much the world is bigger than what we know. Um, that's what I'm kind of doing now in my older older age. Started to understand that there's a much bigger bigger world than you know England or Birmingham, where I'm from. Um, as a kid, I wasn't exposed to too much. I was quite sheltered from a lot of things. So. I think, yeah, just showing them that the, the world and opportunities are endless, really. And with hard work, and not only not only hard work, being smart as well, and just appreciating people, you never know where it can take you. I don't always want to sit down and harp back about racism when I talk to you. And <laughs> Come I really, on, I really me don't I'm ready. Um, but we have had, since I last, you were targeted with racist yeah. abuse after FA Cup semi-final, um, but we've seen it at alleged racism we have to say it legally yeah. at Manchester United Antonio Rudiger the first player to report racism on the pitch yeah. at the Tottenham Stadium after everything we've gone through are you surprised that really people were surprised that that happened and how it was dealt with no I'm not surprised that people are surprised because you have to remember people are shouted you only hear what you want to hear if you and your other half are arguing you don't hear all the good stuff he says, you hear that one bad comment that he says and you, you stick to that. So until it affects um, you or your world, you're not really going to listen to it. Um, I'm a massive and, and, and you know, a huge support for Rudy going what, he, what he's done because it's not the first time as well. He's obviously had this experience in Italy. So he's, um, he's shown he's not afraid. But also I think in the way he's handled himself, he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, got to town on it and played the victim. He just said, "Look, this is not not good enough. We need to do something about it," and put all the pressure back onto the Premier League and the powers that be. That's that's the interesting thing now. What is the 
what's the follow-up? Where's the, where's the continuation of it? Because we like to really blow it up and glamorise it in the papers when it was um, Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it was out there, it was uh, unbelievable. They're vile. They're this, that, and the other. Now it's in it's in England. It's, not, it's never not been in England, but now it's in England. I want to see the same glamorisation of it. Are you calling the guys or people that did it vile? Or maybe not, because you might work with these people. Now it's it's in England. It hasn't gone away from being in England. Um, but we try to mask it and cover it up and say, look, it's not really our issue. Now it's on your front doorstep again, because it was on your doorstep. When Raheem said that last year. When we said it, when uh, Zuma, Tabby Abraham, Rashford, Pogba, everyone said it, but no one said any follow-up on it. So we'll see what the powers of be do. I'm not hopeful, not overly enthusiastic about they're going to do too much, but we have to carry on and at the end of the day our lives don't stop because of, of an incident. We have to carry on and, and prove as quote-unquote role models to these younger kids that you can't let one uh, section of, of people or someone's trade of thought be uh, determined what you want to be going forward. Every organisation has talked about education and the need to education. Mm -hmm. The PFA reacted and bear in mind that their chief executive is paid over £2 million a year mm -hmm. by asking for a government inquiry mm -hmm. and suggested they wouldn't launch their own. Your reaction to that? <laughs> um, money doesn't mean anything to me. So it could be on £10 million, it doesn't really matter. There needs to be an investigation. Uh, the, the key word you said with all of it is they talk about it. No action. Talk, 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 talk. That's, it's always been the case. Um, it does need to be a football issue that needs to be tackled within football and definitely a government issue because it's again racism is not just I'm going to go to football and turn around and start being racist you're, you're racist within life <laughs> you know what I mean you don't just go put your ticket in and go ah now I can activate my racism it's fine um, it is what it is um, education is needed definitely but also harsher sentencing and, and, and people actually being slapped on the wrist for doing something because at the minute, what is a nothing? You, you've not heard of anything actually happening to anyone. So there's been, what, maybe 10 instances since we last spoke, yet Jack Greenish gets punched in the face, and I, and I like Jack's my guy, but someone gets sentenced two days later. So you can see a reaction to that, right? And you saw anyone run on the pitch and do anything else since that? No, because you've gone to prison, you've lost your job, and there's been an, um, an example made of you. With racism, where's that? There's nothing there. So until that happens, it's going to continue. And until people want to stop talking about it and make some action, it's still going to continue. And this is where I got a, a little flabbergasted when I was writing back all, all, all the responses because the government have responded saying the football authorities need to sort it out. Uh -huh. Not my problem, it's yours. That's what they like to do. They pass the book, but at the end of the day, um, that's why here at Watford we're, we've started our campaign, we made a big deal about it but at the end of the day we, we know that if anything happens with our ground, with our supporters, with our players, there is a, there's not only a helpline, there's a direct link to seeing the problems being, being dealt with. We were proud of that as players, we're definitely proud of that because we had, again, we had a hand in it, in helping it. Um, but you've got to do something within within yourself, that's why Paul Pogba now has got his own bracelet, because he's seen there's nothing happening. So the PFA, the FA, 
Premier League, they all like to pass the book, but no one's actually done anything. So we have to sit back and um, you know, take, take control of our own destiny. The three-step protocol with UEFA, you said you, could, you thought in the past it gives you know, two strikes to racists. I think mm-hmm. there's, there is the feeling um, among a lot of people that's the situation. It was put to Seferin by Darren Lewis, one of our journalists mm-hmm. here. He said they are, they are looking into and investigating and holding meetings with governments. They are working towards it. But then he also then countered back with the criticism about the fine to £75,000 and the two-match suspension in Bulgaria. And he said, look at your own house. I'm not seeing fans. I'm not seeing clubs being banned from the Premier League. It's push and shove. Yeah. And with everything, there's always going to be black and white, isn't there? So I might think something's right, you might think something's wrong. It, it, It is what it is. But there's a lot of... We're having meetings, we're having talks. None of this is being shown, none of this is being publicly made available for everyone to see what is actually being said, what is actually being gained. Um, yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm getting bored of talking about mm. it because I'm, I'm not seeing anything good come from it. So when it comes to my own children and people that I can influence, that's what I try and take care of them, try and make sure there's a, a snowball effect on that. People will always have an opinion, just because you know your skin's a different colour or your religion or your sexuality, whatever. It don't mean you're a better person than somebody. That's why I said earlier, like money don't mean nothing to me because I've been Troy when I had no money and I've been Troy when I've been quite financially, financially quite well. But it don't mean nothing. It's just just numbers in an account, really, doesn't it? So all of it comes down to who I am as a person, and that's that's what I want to teach my kids to be honest. Would you like Seferin, who is talking to a lot of governments, he says, talking to a lot of stakeholders in the sport, to speak to players about perhaps the way that racism could be dealt with and the protocol, the three-step protocol, how it could work? Yeah, well, when you look at government, how many people in government are struggling with racism on a day-to-day basis? How many of them are getting hammered on their social media feed? Not only that, then goes on to their family, then to their friends. Like People think that and I had had somebody ask me this question before, like, why don't you just switch off your social media? Why should you have to then counteract racism by going, I'll just stop being, like, quote-unquote normal? Because everybody else can have a social media, but because I'm a footballer and I get racially abused, I should stop, shut mine down to appease the other people. It doesn't work that way. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big discussion that probably isn't going to change in, in my lifetime. But I just hope for my kids and, and hopefully grandkids that we can uh, we can make this world better. But like I say, I'm fortunate to know like my dad's story, my, my great granddad, and all their stories. They've they've had it a lot harder than us. We can't sit here and say that we've had it the hardest, but we're definitely in a position where we a social media and media wise now you you have a voice, so you have to speak up about it and um, and hope you can impact change. Gareth Southgate to talk to him about the three-step protocol, and he said mm. it was impactful because we followed that protocol for the first time. Mm. But if, he suggested if that happens again and again, if mm-hmm. it's got to the, that second stage before the players walk off the pitch, it's it's going to stop losing an effect that basically there is a two-strike for racists mm-hmm. and that it should be reconsidered. Yeah, I am, I've been nothing but showing ad- admiration and praise for how Gareth Southgate's handled the situation. I think he's been perfect example of what you should and shouldn't do. I think 
I would be interested to know, and this is not England based, it's just a general, would teams walk off the pitch if they were winning? And do you know, like a Premier League decider, for argument's sake, would, would they do that? Because um, I saw like Harrogate, they walked off, they were losing the Hartlepool game, they were losing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know England were winning in that situation, um, but I thought the way they handled it was great. I just think moving forward, it, I think until there's going to be a real change, it would be, for argument's sake, Liverpool, Man City, and it was level, and let's just say it happened, and Man City decided to walk off the pitch and they were winning. That's when I think it would be a real change, because it would be impactful enough to go, well, actually, they thought, forget the league, forget everything else, this is more, more important. It's also the other argument I put to Gareth was, you were in a com- comfortable position at the time that Tyrone mm. reported it, but mm. how much were you able to do your job? How much was Tyrone able to do his job when he was distracted? And we talk about VAR and marginal gains, mm. but the the position they were put in, he, he said we mm. didn't. He didn't know if perhaps it would be reported if they were on the back foot. If if a player would take that time out, mm. I don't know. It's, it's on the individual. Like I said, me personally. I'm, I'm not giving you the satisfaction of walking up the pitch. I'm not letting you win. I'm probably going to confront you more than anything. Um, but certainly as a captain, if one of my players turned around and said, I'm not having this, we're walking off. We're all going. It's that simple. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. Honestly, there's no right or wrong answer. It's a tough one. It's a, it's a much larger and longer debate than the, the two minutes we're going to have here. But um, you can speak about it from loads of different points of view, loads of different narratives. It's just about trying to find a common ground, really. I, th- I think my point is my concern and my biggest anger with it still in 2020 mm. is that the pressure is all on the people reporting the racism. 100%. If we report it from a losing position, mm. we might not get a replay or we'll be seen to mm-hmm. be reporting it because we're losing. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could, I can, I can appreciate that. It is, there, is a lot, there needs to be a lot more pressure put on the governing bodies and and you know that it only comes down to, like I say, the governing bodies will react when their money's affected. So if you did it in a Sky game, for example, and we walked off the pitch, Sky would then go, "Oh, we can't have this because look at all the people have complained, and that affects their money, and, and then trickles down to to the Premier League in that situation." Um, and it's tough again because legally, like you said at the start, you have to say it alleged but we heard it at the Spurs game and Gary Neville is having his input on that and then Mr Jones obviously who's literally doing his job has to cut him short because legally he has to do that so there's a lot of provisions in case of let's stop the racism conversation but there's not many provisions to say let's have an open debate and let's have a all bets off just speak your truth we don't really do that. So if there are more rules and regulations, you'd like it to be protecting the teams that whatever they action 100%. they took. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Because, but then, again, looking at it from a counter-argument, what if, let's just say, for say, a player went, I was racially abused and they're 3-0 down and the game got um, abandoned and you find out that that player just made it up. Let's just say, for argument's sake, then you're going to have well, this is why we didn't do it. So you have to look at it from both both sides of the fence. I'm not a naive person that just thinks as soon as racism is reported that that is it. Um, you know, we have to do that. You have to just have a level of where are we? 
what, what are we doing? But in this, I say, coming into 2020, we're still talking about issues that are from 1950 and earlier. So, um, yeah, I say, get bored of it after a while, but it is what it is until people want to have a serious conversation and a serious um, debate, then there's, there's no point doing it. Would you like to be asked? I do get asked. They just don't even ask me back. So I've been to a few. I just don't get asked back because my opinion is um, a bit strong, shall we say. Okay. Um, I want to ask your opinion on another, another big matter. Mm-hmm. Marginal offsides. Oh, yeah, it's getting stupid, isn't it? It is getting stupid. Like, I watched match of the day the other day, and I was just like, how? Like, your armpits are being offside now. So it's, um, yeah, it is marginal. I'm, I'm never really one for VAR anyway, because I've always enjoyed the pub settings. You know, like, controversy happens. You finish the game, you're either really ecstatic because you got away with one, or you're raging because the refs missed one. And then you go in the pub and you talk about it. That's what TalkSport, Five Live, all these different um, outlets are all made off conversation about was that good or was that, was that right, was that wrong. Now it's just about uh, how bad is VAR, it takes too long. Boring, it's literally boring. And even when you score now, you see people go, should I celebrate or should I wait two and a half minutes? And it just become, yeah, it's just boring. Like you saw Dan Byrne score the other day. And he like it's his first Premier League goal, and even he went, "Should I?" Whereas the whole emotion of what the Premier League is all about is, is that when the goal goes in, everyone loses their mind, everyone. But um, yeah. In discussion and conversation at FIFA at the moment, mm-hmm. and they discuss a lot of things, is the proposal that there should be daylight between the attacker yeah. and the defender before it's ruled I heard offside. About this, yeah, this daylight rule. Yeah. What happened to the good old days when you just played football? <laughs> Honestly, it's just like, there's so many rules, regs. We're going to, tr- everyone's trying to make things better. Sometimes the product is, is what it is. It's good. You know, like McDonald's, it's not, I don't like it personally. But it's and obviously all of a, a really, fast food brand. It's a really good brand, obviously, because look how many there is. So we're not going to go, right, what we're going to do, we're going to change the golden M and we're going to put it on its side and make it green. It's like, come on. Sometimes just let it be what it is, and it the product is what it is. Um, human error will always come into it until we have robots doing the line and stuff like that. So just leave it. It's stressful playing. It's stressful watching. Let's just play football. I thought you'd love the daylight rule. <laughs> I'm not fast anymore, so it's, it don't it don't help. Um, no, honestly, I just I just think there's just so many rules. With the 27 new rules added this year. Like, what's it going to be next year? 35? And then, then you start going like, well, how many rules do you need to play? Football is simple. Um, we're scoring that and you're scoring that end. So, um, among clubs with UEFA at the moment, mm. this is more likely to go through, potentially, more suddenly recently, mm. is a thicker line to the marginal, <laughs> the marginal offside. And then who's debating how, how thick the line is? Honestly. I think I'm, I'm old and just in, I, I just live in a little bubble in my own little world where I ain't got time for this stuff to even affect me. It's just nonsense. I'll wait till the referees come in next season and tell us what it is and then not know what it is anyway when I'm playing like it is now. Would you like at least the armpit off, off line? Well, to... no one's ever scored a goal with their armpit. Never saw anyone like 
that in. And if you did do that, you'd get like, you'd probably get a handball given against you anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I'm literally thinking about it now. It is nonsense. Because you're going to, someone can say the line's that big. Then you might argue that's too much, so it's going to bring back to that. But it's, yeah. So, that's the rule makers. That's above my pay grade. I don't get paid two million a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I want to come back to this team and, and what you're achieving yeah. with uh, this team. Nice little stat. Um, in the past decade, mm -hmm. you are fourth in the all-time scorer for your club in the Premier League. Ahead of you, Aguero, Wayne Rooney, Harry Kane, just beneath you, Jamie Vardy. What's it like, like to be so close to the top in that stellar cast and what you've achieved with this club? Take that. Well, Vardy's had about 90-something Prem goals. He's flying at the minute. That's not bad. It's a great company. Um, yeah, great. <laughs> I genuinely didn't know that. So, yeah. Something to tie the kids, isn't it? In that decade, I was good. This decade, I was rubbish. <laughs> oh, you're coming <laughs> no, into um, No, it's definitely... It's definitely something to be proud of. Um, I look... I don't really look at the numbers in, in terms of how much I've done in that decade I'm like trying to catch the next one I think if I'm not mistaken I'm not too far away am I? Yeah so I'm one behind um, you know next in the all time list in terms of league goal scorer so I'm trying to catch him and then I'm about 20 odd 28 or so behind Luther's all time record in terms of league goals so yeah I'm just trying to keep pushing and chase that really but to be in that bracket of people that you've just said that calibre of player is yeah remarkable really nice quality but then also just thinking about it I've decided how many people stay around for 10 years at one club that's so that's more more of a good thing in itself really um, I can only think of me and like Mark Noble at this point um, yeah it's, it's cool real cool they're uh, unbelievable strikers obviously and to be in that calibre of player is is good. They're probably the only one that's not been capped as well, so that says a bit more as well. Is there still a hope or a <laughs> fury? There's more hope of uh, me walking off a pitch when someone's being racist, I think. So, um, nah, it's not happening. England are flying. They're in a whole different generational thing now. Um, look at the players they have. Not only Harry, Rashford, uh, Sancho, Raheem, it's just, you know, look at like Vardy, who's nearly on 20 goals already. It's not even Christmas. He's obviously not playing anymore. So you look around and there's so much talent, uh, young talent coming through that you have to not only respect it, but just go, my time's up and just concentrate on doing what I'm doing. My story will not be defined on whether I play for England or not. It's a, it's a pretty big book already. It is a big book. You just said you're more likely to walk off a pitch for yeah. racism. To be called up. That's sad. It's true, though. I never lie, you know that. No, no. <laughs> um, inevitably, is that day coming, you think, of players walking off in the Premier League? Yeah, it's coming. Someone will do it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if like, Son was to walk off from, um, from Spurs. So a lot, of, a lot of times he gets a lot of abuse and he's, uh, he's, he's definitely a strong-willed character. But I can see him just saying, no, I've had enough and just, and just walk off. But... There's someone I'll do so in the next couple of years. What people might not appreciate is how hard and what a strength of character it took Antonio Rudiger to report it on mm -hmm. a match day in a match. Mm -hmm. You're not him, you can't put that into words, no, no. but 
Can you imagine the pressure? Yeah, there is a lot of pressure, but also it's it's knowing what comes after, because when you when you report it, you naturally with how social media is now, I can't say the word I want to say, but there's a lot of people, immature people, that will then react to that and purposely send you stuff just to get and they uh, have yeah, just to get attention. So again, pressure on government and pressure on. Uh, Premier League, well, it has to be pressure on social media companies to, to now say that this isn't right. Um, but there's got to be pressure from somewhere, not always on the player. And again, like I said earlier on in the interview, I think he's shown massive character, massive strength to, to not only want to report it, but to stand strong and say, look, this is, this is what's continuing after the fact as well. The reaction from managers players mm -hmm. across the Premier League, apologies from Tottenham immediately, and then Son's, someone was racist, um, mm. a, a, a arrested for the abuse of Son, and they're still trying to find evidence of the abuse yeah. against Rudiger. Um, it, <laughs> everyone's saying the right things. Everyone, the hope yep. is it can go away. Hope, talk, more action. That's what I'm, I'm about action, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Here's to that in 2020. Thanks for the last year, Troy. Thank you for the last decade and hopefully five more years into the next one.